You are listening to Redefining Rural, a podcast dedicated to celebrating, elevating, and changing the way we think about rural education in the state of Colorado and beyond. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platform. So in keeping with our mission here at Redefining Rural in celebrating rural education, we have a very special guest today that we get to celebrate and honor Dr. Rocco Fischetto, who is the outgoing superintendent in the Ignacio School District. Rocco has been in education for 49 years, and he is wrapping up his last days in Ignacio um, through the month of May. So I'd like to welcome Rocco. He is recently the recipient of the DeMont Award given by the Colorado Association of School Boards. Um, So deserving of this award. given to an outstanding educational leader, and we can't think of anyone more deserving. So Rocco, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, and good morning, everybody. I'm glad to be here. And thank you for those kind words. I know, like Jim Wilson said yesterday at the Royal Alliance, you know, Rocco's been in education longer than dirt, you know. So yes, some some days it feels that way, you know. it's been a long, long journey, you know, to say 49 years, but um, I will have to go back. But this journey started as a seven-year-old Italian uh, getting on a ship, uh, you know, um, a World War II refurbished ship uh, to go somewhere to America. We didn't have any idea. My dad had left us in 1950, and I knew he was in Argentina in 1953. My oldest brother followed him, and then in 1955, seven of us got on the ship um, with my mom and and six kids under the age of 20. Um, and I was seven years old at that time. Um, Michelle and I were talking the other day when at the Demona War, and and probably I mentioned last year, two years ago, my wife and I went on a cruise and we did basically the same trip. We left from Genoa in Italy and going through the Strait of Gibraltar. I remember as a seven-year-old going through the Strait of Gibraltar and seeing uh, some land and we all start screaming, America, America. And we were just going through the Strait of Gibraltar without knowing that we had 20 two more days before I arrived to a destination in Argentina. Um, Of course, not speaking Spanish, um, school. um, I have to say school was um, always good to me. Um, I hate to say it, I always did my work. Um, Probably I was a model student, you know, very few times I got in trouble, a few times I did. Uh, my parents took care of that situation, you know, so um, that would, that helped us in a straight line with my uh, my other two brothers. Um, we lived in Argentina for eight years. Then in 1962, my dad decided to leave us again and come to the United States to visit one of his brothers and decided to stay. So in 1963, uh, my mom and myself and two of my brothers um, came to the United States. We lived in New Rochelle, New York, not speaking English. Uh, at that time, I was supposed to be in, well, I probably should come back. 
Um, while I was in Argentina, because of I was put behind two years, um, so I caught up. I did three grades in 15 months, going through a private uh, school, and so to catch up, and I did. So, but then when I came to the United States, I was supposed to be a junior, and that was the bilingual um, education back then. Was oh, you don't speak English, we'll just put you back and you. You're great. So I was put back in ninth grade and I started attending New Rochelle High School in New Rochelle, New York. Um, so um, I graduated from there and then I did go to the University of Dayton in Ohio. That's where I met my wife and we've been married now next month in June. We'll be celebrating our 50th year wedding anniversary. Um, from there, uh, I finished my teaching degree with Spanish and French major. Um, I spent a year as a traveling salesman because at that time I could not find a teaching position, but then finally I started teaching uh, Spanish and French in high school. And um, then in the late 80s, I be, uh, took more of a leadership role in the, in the high school, Yorktown High School in Indiana. And I was the chair of the committee that where we um, developed based on some models in Colorado, believe it or not, the blockade schedule uh, that we introduced that to the state of Indiana. And that became a model for the whole state of Indiana. So I had an assistant principal at that time, a curriculum director that she talked to me that I needed to go to the dark side of education and begin my administrative uh, degree. So I started um, at Ball State University. Um, took me seven years to finish my doctoral degree. Um, and my dissertation was basically working with migrant students. At that time, I was an assistant principal in Alexandria, Indiana. And we had a, a big migrant uh, population that came in summertime because we had a, a red goal canning tomato company. Um, so I spent many hours in the migrant camps talking to parents and students. So my dissertation was factors that influenced the dropout rates among migrant students in central Indiana. Uh, because of my Spanish background, um, it took a while to develop that trust to get into those camps. But once they saw that I uh, spoke Spanish, and I was not for the immigration or anything. Then I, they gave me a lot of their uh, feelings and opinion, what the expectations were for the students. So um, from then on, I moved to uh, being a principal for three years in high school, uh, about 10 miles away in Elwood, Indiana. Um, Elwood was famous being the center of the KKK in Indiana. And here they hire an Italian Catholic high school principal, uh, which was a big deal for the town. And I was there for three years, and then I decided to make the move to the superintendency and wind up in Colorado. Uh, my first job was in Swink. Uh, I was there for four years. And uh, to go along with the Domana War, leaving something better uh, the way you found it, um, I did. Um, Swink was left better. Um, 
we built a new gymnasium. Um, I was one of the uh, first years to apply for the best grant to uh, rebuild, remove some of the modular classrooms that we had, and they added six classrooms. Uh, I had all done, but then I decided to leave, so I did not see the completion of those classrooms, but they are completed. I visited those quite a few times now. Um, coming to now, when I saw that Ignacio uh, was had a position, and I was thinking making a, a change, actually. Um, and I mentioned this yesterday too. Randy Black was working in the southeast with all the BOCES and tried uh, to collaborate with all the small school districts. We had the Santa Fe BOCES and the East uh, BOCES and tried how can we share more um, classes, whatever, professional development and so on. So I talked to Randy and I said, hey, Randy, what do you think of Ignacio? So well, that's going to be a it's a challenging district, but I think you'll be good at it. So I took his, his advice. My wife and I came to visit Ignacio uh, a weekend. We didn't tell anybody in the community what we were doing. So we went to a restaurant and and we started asking, "Hey, I'm thinking of moving to town. I have some kids. What would be a good school to send my kids to?" Of course, everybody said, oh, no, you don't want to send them to Nashi. you got to send them to the surrounding districts and so on. I said, okay, fine. So we were staying at the casino on the Sunday afternoon. Uh, they had some two hours of bowling for $10. So my wife, I decided to do that. Um, and right next to us was a whole group of fourth graders that were bowling. So I started asking questions. And they were honest. You know, and they convinced me, yes, here's where I needed to be. Um, so I did apply. They get the interview, uh, of course, and I became superintendent. Believe it or not, the same group of kids, when they saw me um, in August, they all come up to me and say, oh, I remember you. You were the guy asking us all those questions when we were bowling. You know, I said, yeah, that was me, you know, and so on. So, um Yes, Ignacio was, Randy was right. There were challenges, but, you know, my philosophy has been and will continue being with every challenge, there are always opportunities. So this is what I preach to my staff from the day one. Yes, we have challenges, but we need to meet those challenges head on and what and make it take the chance, the, those challenges and turn them into great opportunities. So when I was hired, I was given three goals, and those three goals were improve our curriculum. The district was in turnaround. Um, I've mentioned this many times. I came, I had not begun my position yet, but they were having a big meeting with uh, CDE, and I was invited to come to be part of that uh, uh, those meetings. Um, and actually, I. I came out of those meetings and said, oh, boy, what did I get myself into? Uh, coming from a high-achieving district that Swink was uh, to a situation, a turnaround district. So all those people looked at me and said, what are you going to do? I said, well, we're going to face this challenges, but let's use these opportunities. Uh, the first thing was curriculum. Uh, we had to change the curriculum. We... Um, 
we went through a lot of meetings. How are we going to uh, do this? And we were in a meeting with my administrative team and said, we need a curriculum expert. And I said, well, if you guys don't mind, I do know the best in the world. His name is Dr. Jay Thompson out of Ball State University, uh, worldwide known um, in the curriculum world. He was part of my um, dissertation uh, committee, um, you know, doctoral committee. And I knew him also as a personal note. And I was very upfront with my staff and my board. Um, but um, then they decided to bring him in for a couple of days. And, to, and he was interviewed by the board, uh, by my staff. He met a lot of teachers. And they all decided, yes, he is the person to help us to redo our curriculum. Um, so we, we start working concentrating, um, developing rubrics and standards and you name it. Uh, that took almost five years uh, to get all that done. One of the big things we did, we increased the rigorous of our curriculum. We do not have any advanced classes in AP uh, classes or physics or advanced chemistry. Uh, we didn't have calculus. Uh, so we started including physics and eventually we did um, uh, um, added AP classes. And this was something that our students really stepped up to it when they said, when they saw the, the rigors of the curriculum and they were able to do it, they come, oh, we can do this. We can do this. I remember one girl come up to me, Dr. Fraschetto, you know, that was hard, but you know what? We did it. We did it. And the first year we gave 40 AP tests and over 50% of those kids scored three or above on those AP classes. And that kind of changed the culture, and the, especially at the high school. And so since then, our concurrent enrollment is going through the uh, through roof. Our kids are enrolled in more concurrent enrollment. I have kids graduating with um, with twenty eight credits from Fort Lewis College, uh, San Juan College. We have kids now. I have a actually she should have been a, a sophomore. She's graduating this Saturday as valedictorian, um, and she's going to Duke University. I mean, it's just opened a brand new door for all our students. Um, I think that's a, a great accomplishment. Yes, we did. Took us five years to get out of turnaround, but we did it. And uh, we continue. That's still our main focus, what's best for our kids and, and keep moving. The second goal was our, our buildings. They were um, falling apart and so on. So we did pass. Um, the $50 million bond uh, by one vote, you know, and uh, that's what I always like to remind the people. Every vote counts. That made a big difference for this district. We have state-of-the-art facilities, which, again, improved the whole school climate and culture. Um, you walk around our buildings, you don't see any graffiti. You don't see anything because the students are proud of our buildings and they take care of it, um, of them, take care of all of them, K through 12 plus 
administrative offices, boardroom, transportation, and so on. So um, that's um, a great, great thing. Actually, um, one of the things that's happening uh, by the end of the bond period, we are going to save over $3 million of interest for this community because we have refinanced our bonds to a lower interest. Um, I was just on the phone with my bonding company. We're trying to refinance over $6 million, which is the best grant, and um, to our lower interest rate to save another oh, $350,000, $375,000 to this community at interest. So we, like I said, uh, I'll put my facilities against any other facility in the state of Colorado. We're second to none, I will say. Um, the other uh, goal we had uh, was to in- improve relationship and communication with all our um, um, community members and all our partners. Uh, for example, we have um, the town of Ignacio. Uh, we developed a good working relationship. We were in partnership to uh, to improve the roads in front of our schools. Uh, right now, in on June, June 1st, we created a partnership. We can con- contribute financially also to install a traffic light <coughs> on, the, on the road um, to, for the safety of our students. Um, and also we annex all our properties into the town. So that's been, it started about uh, 2012 when we just finished it this year. Took a long time. Of course, the um, the Southern U Tribe and the Southern U Education Department always been a good collaboration, especially the Education Director Letitia Taylor and I have a lot of tough, tough conversations in a professional manner, and we always uh, agree what's best for all, all of our students, and we always come up with a solution. Um, that uh, MOU that we we signed with our board signed and the Tribal Council signed has been a model for other um, tribes to use around the nation. Letitia and I went to South Dakota to do a presentation to the Indian Education Conference, uh, a working relationship. And uh, that's uh, a great, great collaboration um, to help all our students. Um, of course, the BOCES, uh, we participated in many of the programs with the San Juan BOCES. It's been in the forefront of, of new programs. Uh, you know, when uh, through CEI, we did the Growing Together Summit at Fort Lewis College a few years ago. We were, we participated in all those programs. So um, one thing we did was uh, we took the all elementary school and uh, we call them the LHI. We turned that into a community center. So they created a nonprofit organization and we leased that building to them at a reduced rate. And, um, and we help with that, but also they provide good servers to our community. Um, extra classes, dancing, gymnastics, music, pottery, art, you name it. Uh, they're in their youth center. It's great. Um, of course, the, also the, Colorado Commission of Indian Affairs has been a big group for us. Um, a few years back, actually, when Joe Garcia was Lieutenant Governor, 
and I was elected a large, I was appointed by the governor to be on this commission. And they were discussing a lot of um, education issues. And I went approached Joe Garcia at that time, who was Lieutenant Governor and the, the governor. And I said, Joe, in conjunction with um, the travel chair of the Southern Youth, said, we need to change something. There's a lot of education uh, issues. And I'm the only education representative. I'm elected at large. I might not get elected again. So they approached that um, they had to go back and change the, I think, the codes of the Constitution were the May, the two superintendent of uh, Ignacio School District and the Montezuma Cortez ex officio of that commission. So we have a seat um, there. Whoever sits in this chair as superintendent will always have a, a position in that commission. That's been a good collaboration. And of course, the national, uh, we received impact aid. I don't know if you know about that uh, because having travel lanes, they don't pay real estate uh, taxes. So the government has to uh, subsidize us. And that we have a big lobbyist group in Washington that we deal with every time um, that the government is going to reduce that impact aid that work for us. So that's a great resource of funding for us. So um, those are the three big goals. Uh, I think after 11 years, I could proudly say that we have accomplished um, all those goals. And um, so hopefully my um, next person, Christy Kay, is going to be the new superintendent. He will continue on that and on those traditions and good working relationships have developed. Has not been an easy road, I can tell you that. But also a focus has always been what is best for all of our students and so keeping that on the forefront of that education. I can go on. I don't know how much you want me to go on. So. so Rocco, looking back at all of the work that you've done in school turnaround with your facilities, with your community, the tribes, and establishing all of those relationships, what do you think has been your greatest accomplishment and why? Uh, well, I have to say all, all three have been accomplishment because we did accomplish those goals. Our, we still need to keep going on our curriculum, on our achievement, academic achievement. You know, that's always on the forefront. Um, I think developing that collaboration and also, and, and like I say, it has not been easy. easy. Uh, you have to make those tough decisions in order to make changes, you had to make the tough decisions. A lot of uh, staff members that left, or, or like I like to say, uh, highly encouraged to retire early or look for something else somewhere else where you might be a better fit than Ignacio. Um, you know, I just want to be honest. Um, I went through the directory for my first year in 2010 and the directory this year out of 140-some employees, uh, we have about 40 left. So it's been a big, big turnover in those 10 years. Um, you know, and but by bringing new, and I, like I said, new and young blood, then the accomplishment that I feel is that 
re-energizes everybody. Even when I was uh, hiring um, teachers and so on, I always told the rest of the staff, hey, by bringing somebody new, all of you should feel re-energized because you bring in a different perspective, new new person. Um, we we did our own induction program this year. That was a, a, a great, great accomplishment. Um, Mr. Duquet and I ran our induction program. And when I um, read all the reflections for we had over 20 uh, people in our induction program from the initial license to go to professional licensure, um, their reflections and Every month when we met and I read those things, wow, you know, these young teachers, the different perspective that they bring and how they care for our students. Um, so that's something, you know, and, and something that I keep telling Chris and all my administrators, you really, when you interview, it's always, yes, you can look at all the qualifications, all the requirements, you know, and so on. But in all my years, um, 90% of the time, my gut feeling has been when I have gone to it, this person is a good fit for my district at this time. And, and then you, you model those, those teachers to fit what you want them to do. What, what is our vision? What is our mission? And they fit into that. So I think that's been a good, um, accomplishment that we have done and um, and we'll continue on that so so looking back over your 49 years in education and thinking about the tremendous turnover that we have in leadership every year I think our list of superintendent vacancies this year has grown to around 40 um, superintendents across the state and it's no different every other year um, what kept you coming back? What kept you coming back to leadership, to education, to being that leader? Why did you stay so long? Um, I have my goals. You know, I um, I want to make a difference. You know, when you start as a teacher, you influence a small group. Then you become a, a principal your group is a little bit larger. And then when you become a superintendent, you influence a larger uh, population. And I've always been, how can I uh, help uh, and make a difference in, in a bigger group? Um, so that's what always kept me thinking, what can I do to make life better? I know where I came from, okay, a poor family, I was the first one to graduate from high school. My parents only went through second grade. Um, my youngest brother and I were the two that graduated from college. Uh, needless to say, my older brother then got to uh, college, but we call him our rich brother. He became a very successful uh, electrical uh, contractor in New Rochelle, New York, Westchester County. Uh, so, we you know, but um, just working hard, and sharing, say, hey, you know, if you're willing to put the time and the commitment and the effort um, and don't don't make up excuses, don't blame everybody else. Take self-responsibility 
Um, you know, you make choices and the consequences for, for every choice you make, good or bad, uh, depends how you choice you make. So this is something that I, I'd like to keep emphasizing to, to all the students and, you know, being in, uh, yes, Ignatius, a low socioeconomic area, um, I'll, I'll be emphasizing that. Uh, you could do it. You could do it. You could be a first generation to f- get your high school diploma, go to college, get a degree, or or be successful. Go to trade school. I don't. That's not making a difference to me. But if you're willing to put the time and the effort and uh, the work ethics, um, you could go anywhere you want to. So. So I always like to end with this question. I think it's really interesting, the answers that we've gotten from lots of other leaders. Um, So you know that school leaders, um, whether it be teachers in the classroom, principals leading their schools, um, superintendents in their districts, board members, whomever is impacting education, leading from where they are, what advice do you have for them when navigating really challenging times. I mean, if we look at the past year and what we've all gone through and maybe still we're just barely getting over that hump now and looking toward the future, what advice would you have for leaders in education right now? I have a quote. Um, Some people might not, not a quote, but focus. F-O-C-U-S. I read this in a book published by Donald Trump years before he became president of the United States. And, and he has focus, F-O-C-U-S, follow one course until successful. And that always, I read that book, even like I said, before he was president. And always follow that. You, you pick something and you stay with it until you are successful. Yes, you adjust your way through it, but you cannot keep changing and changing and changing every year because then you do not have that continuity. You know, I'm even telling all my um, my principals and my teachers when they want to look, oh, we have this great grant, or oh, we have this that we could do, or this that we we gonna uh, we could apply for. And my question has always been how it could be the best thing in the world, but is that going to stay on our cores or what we want to achieve, our mission and our vision? If it doesn't fit there, even if it's $20 million grant, it doesn't fit what we need. So you have to bypass it. Down the road, you might need it, but you stay focused and follow that course until you are successful. And we we did that with um, with our curriculum. You know, um, I know you know as well as I do, the state was ready to take over Ignacio School District, and we went through all those interviews and you name it, those assessments that came to review our, our district and so on. But we just stayed. We said, no, it's, we were told from day one by Dr. Jay Thompson, that our work to to change our curriculum was not going to be easy and it was not going to be an overnight success. It was going to take time. It took us five years. 
So, but we stay focused on that mission and that vision, and we were successful at the end of five years. Well, Rocco, we sure thank you for following the course that you have. Um, we are so grateful for your leadership. I think we have all been um, touched by the way that you have led your districts, and um, we are better for working with you. So thank you for your time today. We so appreciate it, and we wish you well in the future. Well, thank you very much, and good luck to everybody. I know the challenger year is coming, you know, uh, but um, you can do it. Um, challenges are always opportunities out there and I'm still doing that uh, I've still been around I'll be around so if anybody needs my advice then always can get a hold of me so um, thank you for the time and thank you for everybody that have uh, supported and we have some tough conversations a lot of that superintendent meetings but uh, we've always been in a professional way and we always got along even over a, a drink or something, we agree to disagree in a professional manner. And it's been my pleasure to be in, in Colorado for the last 15 years. Uh, I always say my wife and I, we always, we were welcomed with open arms from day one when we came to Colorado. So um, I'm still in the area. I'm moving 22 miles away from Ignacio. So, and I'll still be around. So thank you very much. and. Stay focused. Thanks, Rocco.